0: All right, Red Rocks. Come on, you can do better than that. Anybody grateful to be alive? Anybody grateful you get to call this church your home? I'm so grateful I get to do that. Man, we get front row seats, it seems, every week to see God do amazing things, and we believe he's just getting started. It's the tip of the iceberg, and uh, the best is yet to come. That's what that means for this church and for your life individually, and if you don't believe that for yourself, I'll believe it for you, because technically, like, if you know Jesus, you know that you have a seat at the table partying with God in the kingdom of God for the rest of forever, so even if you're 95 years old, the best is always yet to come when you follow Jesus amen Amen. oh it's good to see you guys hey let's make some noise and uh, help me say hello to all of our Denver-based campuses come on let's go our campus in Brussels Belgium we love you guys everybody at our Austin Texas location and both of our God Behind Bars campuses we love you guys so much so much so much I'm so grateful to be here, guys. I've been praying all week for one thing, and here it is. I've been praying for you that you would, would receive revelation today. And so how many know there's a difference between revelation and information, right? Information from a sermon will make you smarter, and that's great. That's great, but revelation from heaven makes you more like Jesus. Revelation is when something doesn't just click here, it clicks here as well, and like a seed gets planted deep in your heart and starts to transform you from the inside out, right? Like a spark turning to a wildfire when it happens across like a church like this corporately. I've been praying, God, do what only you can do what only you can do. Something supernatural, amen? So we're gonna pray for that in just a second. Um, Really quick, where are my note takers in the room? My note takers? Oh, God doesn't pick favorites, but I do, and it's all of you. And so for you, here's the title of the message, Welcome to the Party. Welcome to the party, Red Rocks. And so you can write that down and then you can uh, bow your head with me right now and let's, let's just, the Bible says, just sometimes you just gotta ask to receive. And so let's ask. God, we love you so much, so much, Jesus. God, I pray what I've been praying all week, that, that like, we would not just get smarter from information from a sermon today, but God, that we would receive revelation from heaven today. Jesus, I just believe that you're back from the dead and because of that, there is now no such thing as a normal Saturday or Sunday at church and right now, anything is possible. And so change us today, God. Do not let us leave the same. We love you and I thank you for a church to call home and we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and everybody said, amen. Amen. all right. Have you uh, Have you noticed, guys, as human beings, we tend to talk about the things that we're passionate about, right? Like, you, you talk about what you're currently obsessed with, okay? So that's why, recently, I can't stop talking about the Avengers Endgame movie that's coming out on April 26th. Less than two weeks away, guys. Can I get an amen from anybody in church today, right? You, you, you talk about what you love, right? That's why I reference... Harry Potter or a Disney movie or The Notebook in every sermon, it seems, because you talk about what you're passionate about, right? This is why, like, you never have to wonder, oh, who does CrossFit? Because they'll tell you, right? They will tell you. You never have to wonder, like, oh, who's from Boulder? Because people from Boulder will tell you I'm from Boulder, because people from Boulder love Boulder, okay? And I can—I lived there for five years, okay? I can say it. These are my people. If you love Boulder, you talk about Boulder in your Subaru with all your bumper stickers while you're drinking your Aero-pressed... Uh, definitely not mainstream cold brew coffee in a Patagonia canteen that you got at the REI garage sale that you only got into because of your co-op REI card. And how do I know that? Because you told me. You told me you did, right? You talk about Boulder. (laughs) Let's see, I can keep going, man. Uh, While working one shift a week at Trader Joe's, only so you can make your own trail mix 25% off. You refuse to drink anything unless it's first been poured into a mason jar and hike miles into the mountains and set up a slack line between two trees so you can practice balancing while you memorize your playbook for your intramural ultimate frisbee team. Bam, there it is. I'm feeling sassy today, guys. Don't worry, I love Boulder. That's why I'm talking about it right now, okay? That's why, like, because you talk about what you're passionate about. This is why you never have to guess uh, who the new parents are, because they talk about it and talk about it, and they post picture after picture after picture, like like this picture right here. This is my son. I'm only doing this to make a point right now. That's it, but we can leave this up. This is Will. This is my little guy. This is him at Terry Black's Barbecue in Austin, Texas, which... (laughs) I'm talking about because I'm passionate about it, and if you come to Texas, Austin we will go, right? Do we have another one? This is Will, last night, his very first UT baseball game, having so much fun, laughing. Who's the wise guy in the helmet? That's my little guy, that's my little man right there, Will. Oh, how How much time do you guys have? We can keep doing this. Like, you think this is bad? Ronnie Johnson and Kara just had kid number two. If you follow either of them on Instagram, just buckle in. I'm telling you. Get ready because it's coming because what you're passionate about, you talk about all the time. And uh, why is it? Here's my question. Oftentimes, that's true for everything except our faith. For most of us, okay? Some of you are just you're, like you leave the four walls of the church and you're just bold and courageous about your faith and God wired you that way and, and like we need you more than ever to be you and that's amazing. Uh, that's, that's very challenging for me. All right, like I can be bold in here. It's another story, man. Like, even from the airport today, I took an Uber ride and it was snowing, so it took an hour to get here. And it took 50 minutes before I invited my Uber driver to Easter or, or to church tomorrow, right? And I was like sitting in the back seat, like, why am I so nervous right now? Like, I'm a pastor, guys, and I feel that, you know? And so, like, like we're, we're all human. We're all like, this is imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. This is family. Let's have family talk. And I just like, let's answer the question. If if I talk about what I love, and so do you, and we love Jesus, like with all our hearts, then why don't we talk about Jesus more Monday through Saturday? And so if you have your Bibles, uh, Matthew chapter five, let's go there. This is the Sermon on the Mount. That's why it's all red letters in your Bible because this is straight out of Jesus' mouth, okay? And we're gonna look at just four verses, and in these four verses, Jesus is basically giving us, as Christians, our job description, okay? This is like, if you've ever wondered what your purpose is, you're about to find it out right here. So Matthew chapter five, we'll start in verse 13. Here we go. You are, Christian, the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled Underfoot, and so let's just stop there, press pause, and ask the obvious question: What the heck is Jesus talking about when he says that you are salt and so am I? Like, Jesus is this like a fun metaphor where you're pepper and I'm salt, and we like go good to get like what is this like salt? Why am I why am I salt? Jesus, like, explain this right. So back in the day, salt was actually very valuable. You couldn't just drive to the local grocery and pick up some sodium chloride. I'm a chem major. That's just Science talk, don't worry, it's salt. It's it's common today because today it's mined. But back in the day, if you wanted salt, you had to jump into the Dead Sea and swim to the bottom and and get some seaweed, okay? And bring it up and it's seaweed that's covered in salt. And what they would do with it is they would rub it and press it into all their raw meat and filet mignon and chicken wings and, and fish, right? Why? Because it preserved it. Because back in the day, like think with me here, no such thing as refrigerator right because ben franklin was not around yet to tie the key to the kite and do the thing in the storm and discover electricity no no freezer in your garage with half an elk in it right like you had to you had to use salt on the meat to preserve the meat and jesus is saying yeah for christians kind of like that you are the salt you're the salt of the earth your job basically to preserve Okay, Jesus, to to preserve what? The things of God in this world. We'll just put it simply as that, right? I'll I'll give you an example. Uh, Since the first century, Christianity uh, has always been the largest religion in Europe, okay? And uh, some of history is like some of our greatest thinkers and theologians have come out of Europe. But today, not in all the countries, but in many countries, it looks different than it used to look, okay? I was talking to Tyler Hoffman. He's the campus pastor for our Brussels campus. We love you guys. And uh, he was telling me about conversations he was having with some of our people there. And uh, they were telling him about these big, beautiful buildings, yet nobody to fill the buildings with. Belgium is 56% Catholic. 2%, less than 2% show up on Sundays, right? And so here's the thing. In a lot of European countries, you can go visit old cathedrals and old churches, and uh, it's beautiful, but here's the thing. You don't go there to like go to a church service and worship and experience God. You go there to see some cool architecture and hear stories about how God used to be the foundation of the country. And so what happened? Well, Christians who once preserved the things of God lost their saltiness, right? I heard uh, John Picluda, um talk about Amsterdam this way, uh, that once upon a time, the things of God and the values of Jesus were like alive and vibrant in Amsterdam. And then somewhere along the way, um, Christians lost their saltiness, and consequently, the nation, um, the city, lost its godliness, okay, and that's why, like, if you've ever been, like, you can walk around the streets in uh, Amsterdam, and you're gonna, you're gonna see a lot of uh, beautiful buildings and meet a lot of amazing people, but you're gonna feel, it's weird, like, this, like, tangible, like, darkness, like, around every corner. You can, like, feel it on your skin there, right, and so the question is, okay, what happened? Well, Christians lost saltiness, and a nation lost godliness and we think okay well that's them like no city no country is immune to that kind of future okay and so here's here's what i'm getting at the the spiritual climate of amsterdam right now will be the spiritual climate of denver unless unless christians are the salt of the earth in this city unless we as the church corporately and individually preserve the things of God in the spheres that God has placed us in, right? And what's cool right now, guys, is what we're seeing uh, our own family over in Brussels. We're like seeing the tide start to shift in Brussels because our family, there, like they're, the, it's the real deal, like fighting the good fight and preserving the things of God and being the salt of the earth in Brussels. And we're seeing stuff happen. And so Brussels, from us to you, we love you. We have your guys' backs. Don't stop praying. Don't stop showing up. Don't stop inviting. Don't stop. Being the salt of the earth because God has already done amazing things through your campus in your city, and we believe once again that He's just getting started. We believe that, and so that's salt of the earth. We could go on about that, but we don't have time. Let's keep going. Verse 14 He's gonna change gears a little bit. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill. Cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so lights are meant to shine in the darkness right like we can all agree on that and the engineer think about this in this space any like whatever space you find yourself in right now the engineer of this building like if you look at the lights even on the ceiling like carefully spaced and placed every single one of these lights across a dark ceiling to maximize the light potential in this room right like like the stars at night The nighttime sky is also a picture of this. I don't know if you remember um, the conversation that Timon and Pumbaa had under the stars. Like, and shout out, by the way, to the new Lion King trailer that came out like a few days ago. Oh my gosh, guys! Oh my gosh! I'll be talking about that because you talk about what you're passionate about, right? Under the stars, Pumbaa says, "I know the whole. I can do the whole movie, and I'm not kidding. I'll just do one little part because this is church." Pumbaa or Timon, you ever wonder what those sparkling dots are up there? Pumbaa, I don't wonder. I know. Oh, what are they? They're fireflies. Fireflies that just got stuck up there in that big bluish black thing. Oh, I always thought they were balls of gas burning billions of miles away. Pumbaa, with you, everything's gas, right? We'll stop it right there. You remember that conversation. Here's the thing. Next time, it might be tonight. I haven't been outside in a few hours, but next time it's a clear night, you go outside at night and you look up and what you will see is a metaphor for how God, the divine designer, carefully spaces and places his lights across the a, a very Dark backdrop, okay? So, Acts chapter 17, we don't have time. You go read it this week, and what you're gonna find is that God, uh, like, wired you intrinsically the way that you are with the giftings that you have, placed you geographically where you're at in the time of history that you've been born into. That much thought from Him given to your life. So, let that build, like, meaning for your, your mundane Monday. Morning, right? Like that, if that doesn't give purpose, like I don't know what does, right? God carefully places and spaces his lights, his Christians, right? And so I got saved uh, in Boulder, Colorado. Guys, I don't know if I told you, but I used to live in Boulder and I went to college there. I went into college, not a Christian, and I came out of college, out of Boulder, a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. People tell me, like, in Boulder, that happened? Yeah. The year it was the number one party school in the country that happened to me. And here's the thing, like, it can be a dark city, It can be a dark city, okay? And uh, Sam Ellis is one of my best friends. My wife's name is also Sam. I have a lot of important Sams in my life. But Sam Ellis is the man who led me to Jesus Christ. He, like, when it comes to this verse and being a light that shines, nobody lives it out the way that this man does, okay? And so in the middle of a dark city, in the middle of a dark campus, God, like, I feel like he looked at, like, his whole, like, squad of lights. And found the brightest one, and it was Sam. And said, "I'm going to send you to the darkest campus, and little Doug Weckenman's going to be walking by. And your light, honestly, as a human being, as God in him, your light, Sam, is going to lead him home to me. And I will, like, I will, that's, I will never be able to repay that. Never be able to repay that. That like, he, he was my light." My junior year of college, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, guys. We are, like, think about this. God's, like, God's one plan for his kingdom come, his will be done. In Denver, as it is in heaven, in Austin, in Brussels, as it is in heaven, is the local church, is this, is what we are a part of building right now. We, you, are God's plan for this city, the city you find yourself in. You are God's plan for your place of work, right? You're God's plan for your college campus. You're God's plan for your friends. You are salt and you are light, preserving and standing out and loving people, inviting them to church, sharing our faith. Here's what I I wanna convince you of just so badly. It is so much more than an obligation as Christians. It is the greatest privilege that there will ever be this side of heaven this side of heaven. I'll show you. Luke chapter 14, Jesus is uh, telling a story. He's having dinner with a bunch of Pharisees and uh, I love that. He, he eats dinner with uh, sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees, right? The, the fastest way to become a Pharisee is to hate a Pharisee. Jesus ate dinner with them and he's about to tell them a story about this, this guy, this like great Gatsby, Gatsby wealthy guy with a huge house who loves to throw parties and in the parable, Jesus is actually the Gatsby guy, okay? And so here we go. The, the scene is set. This is Luke 14. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant, pay attention to that guy, the servant, to tell all those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Come on in, the food's on the table, the filet mignon fresh off the grill, unlike any filet mignon you've ever had in your entire life, right? Like, I've got, I've got very fancy people dressed in fancy clothes, carrying around expensive trays full of phenomenal finger food, like crab cakes, right? Like, line, does anybody know that movie? It's Wedding Crashers, not that I've seen it. Somebody told me that. Um, The DJ is ready to go. The dance floor is set up like it's time to party. Parties are a culture, like parties are part of heaven's culture. And for proof on that, read the next chapter, Luke 15, or come back for the series that we're going to do right after Easter. He's saying, okay, we're going to party and there's plenty of room, more than enough seats at the table for you and every one of your friends, your family members, your co-workers, your classmates, your roommates. And in this parable, you guys, you and I are the servant, the guys who, in my opinion, have the best job in the world. Because if you think about the servant, like he's already invited. He already has a seat at the table, right? And so every weekend we show up here and we celebrate the fact that like how 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 lucky are we that we know where we are going after we die, right? How lucky are, are, are those who are no longer defined by their sin but rather the one who paid the price for their sin. How, how lucky are we to know what we know and to be invited to what we're, invi- like how much that change our postures in the day to day in the here and now you know what i'm saying like 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 from the inside like the, like the best job in the world this guy right here because he is just simply a sharer of the wealth and that's what the servant does he goes and invites and at first he gets rejected here we go but they all alike begin to make excuses the first said hey i've just bought a field and i gotta go see it please excuse me I'm grateful for the offer. Kind of busy next time. Another said, hey, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. Can anybody relate to that? I'm just curious. Um, That'd be awesome. And I'm on the way to try them out, so please excuse me. Work is crazy right now. Uh, Next time, I'll be there, right? Last guy. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Best excuse so far. I'll give him that, but... (laughs) This guy still does not understand the implications of this invitation. Church, listen. Like, the worst thing in the world to be is not a sinner. The worst thing to be is a sinner that doesn't think they need a savior. And that's probably why Jesus is telling this at a dinner party with Pharisees, right? The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring the poor, bring the crippled, invite the blind and the lame. He's saying, if they turned you down, then go, go invite somebody who's not gonna make it through the night without a square meal, right? Go invite everybody and anybody, the desperate, the marginalized, the prodigals, and get them in here. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. I did it, and people are showing up, and like, this table that you have set, is like a magic table that no matter how many people show up, it like gets bigger and bigger and bigger to fit more people. Like, is this from like the secret section in the back of Crate and Barrel? Like, where did you get this? Like, where did you get this table? Like, it's been done. They're showing up. And then the master told a servant. Okay, keep inviting. Go anywhere and every like you see like foreshadowing of the Great Commission here. Go to the ends of the earth. Go to Austin, to Denver, to Brussels. Bring anybody and everybody the roads of the country lanes and compel them to come in. So, and here's like the best line. So that my house will be what? so that my house will be full. And so every time you watch the 90s TV show, Full House, from this point on, you let that be a nice little reminder to you that the title of that television show resonates directly with the heart of your God, right? That like, much like Danny Tanner, except in a less cheesy way, God wants his house full. This is the reason, the reason, that Jesus is patiently waiting to come back, right? The reason, like, I've heard, like, I've had guys tell me, like, oh, I just hope, like, Jesus waits till I can get married so I can have sex just one time, just to see what it's like, God, like, please wait, right? And I'm like, oh, that's just, that's just real life, I get it, Um, but that's not why Jesus is waiting to come back. He's not waiting to come back so you can get married because he knows you've always wanted to or go on that vacation because you've been saving up for it, although those things are so important. There is, there is one reason the Bible is so clear that Jesus is patiently waiting, and it's because he wants his house full. And we, you guys, are the invitations. And far more than an obligation, once again, it is the greatest privilege in the world, greatest privilege. Charles Spurgeon says this, you're either a missionary or a mission field. (laughs) I read that like, oh, and there is no in between. Missionaries are not like the super Christians that we send across the ocean, like to do the real ministry, right? Missionary simply just means Christian on mission, which according to Jesus is like, hey, that's your job description, our job description, right? Or else your, your salt that is no longer salty or a light bulb that has been placed under a bowl. You're either a missionary or you need one. And let me just tell you, like, let's just be honest, guys. It's easy to be bold for Jesus, like, right now, like, from this, like, stage. It's easy, because you guys are nice. It's easy, like, Jesus, I'm being so bold for you, right? Like, it's, it's kind of easy to get on a plane and fly across an ocean and be bold for Jesus. It's another thing to walk across the street and be bold for Jesus. It's different when it's your workplace and your gym and your house and your people, right? Like we can be real about that. Like, I spent, a, I spent a whole year in 2012 with my friends traveling uh, and doing mission work because we were reading the Bible for ourselves for like the very first time. And we were like, Jesus, it just seems like you're just saying, like, we're supposed to go into the world and tell people about you. And so, one year, we just, as passionately as we could, that's exactly what we did. And we traveled uh, like to different countries and we were bold in the name of Jesus, right? And we saw awesome things happen for one year and then we got home. And then I needed a job, and so I got one at the Mediterranean restaurant in Boulder, Colorado. I used to live in Boulder. I don't know if I, if you guys knew that. And here's, here's what I've learned, guys. It's, this is an amazing country. It's dark here, too. Like, and to give you context, like, and this isn't because I'm, like, a good Christian. You'll just be amazed at some of the situations you find yourself in when you say yes, you know, repeatedly. And uh, I, I've, I've, I've met with witch doctors in Haiti and prayed for slaves and pimps in the red light districts in India uh, in and Amsterdam. And like, like what we would call like, oh, that's the darkest, those are the darkest places, man. Um, but what I learned, where you work is also pretty dark. It is, man. And to that I would say that's why God put you there as a light. I waited tables for 1 year at the med guys. I got home and for the first 6 months of that time, I like I walk around on dinner shifts like and I'm praying but I'm complaining while I'm praying. And I'm just like, "God, I hate my job." Like, I was just a missionary, God, and now I'm like waiting tables and I don't like it here. Like, I, I, I'm made for ministry and I'm just killing time, right? Like, earth to God, like, don't you see? Your servant, God? Like, I hate this job, by the way. And like, for six months, that was my attitude. It's a long story. We don't have time. But, but long story short, six months in, I had one of the most profound wake-up calls and lessons learned I've ever had in my walk as a Christian. And it was kind of like a, a, like the Holy Spirit, like, slapping the face. Not that the Holy Spirit does that. I just imagined for, like, myself. Like, and and, and, uh, and kind of like God pressing pause on my life and saying, hey, Earth, like, Earth to Doug. Not that God says Earth to, like, he does that for me, okay, in my fantastical brain. Earth to Doug, like, Earth to the world-traveling missionary. What makes this so different from India? What makes this different from Haiti? Like, like newsflash, you're not just here so that you can bring people their lamb shank on time with a smile, You're here because I thought you were a missionary. (laughs) You're here because whether you like it or not, right now you are the lead pastor of the Mediterranean restaurant in Boulder, right? You're here because you are my plan for your coworkers. And while you're killing time until ministry, your coworkers are hurting and in need of love, right? And man, I tell you, some perspective just like shifted in me all of a sudden and work, like night shifts were suddenly, dinner shifts were suddenly a lot different and I prayed this prayer and I dare you to pray this this week. I dare you because this is a prayer that gets answered. I said, God, will you just open doors for conversations? Just open doors for me to talk about what I'm passionate about. And uh, wouldn't you know, Two days later, I am rolling silverware, like you do. And my, my buddy Adam, my coworker Adam, came up next to me, and we were rolling silverware. And I kid you not, and he's like nervous. And then I, I can tell, like, he wanted to ask a question. And he finally said, "He's like, so, bro, like, you're like super religious." And I was, is that a question? He's like, yeah, that's a question. And I said, okay, I love this. I'm like, God, you answered my prayer. And uh, I was like, okay, here we go. And I said, I said, no, but I love Jesus. And maybe you and I can hang out after work tonight and I can tell you how that's possible. And we did. And uh, two days after that, my friend Katie, another coworker who has no filter and is very loud. (laughs) uh, Rolling silverware again. I don't know what it is about silverware, guys. Um, But... Her and Adam had talked, and she said, "So you're you're like a Christian." I was like, "Is that a, a question?" Yes, I am. And she said, uh, "Okay, so you're gonna look me in the eyes right now, and you're gonna tell me that you and your girlfriend don't have sex." Like it's this loud too, like in the restaurant, you know. <laughs> and I'm just like, "Hey, I, I no Christianese, just real life. I love this so much," and. I said, Katie, you are correct. We do not. And it is awful. That's why Christians have the shortest engagements of any people group on the planet. I didn't look that up, but I swear that's true. I promise you it is. Promise you. And all the engaged couples said, amen, 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 amen. Oh, man. But I said, maybe... We could hang out and I could tell you why, though. (laughs) Because we don't just not do that just to not do that. Um, Maybe I can talk to you about Jesus. Maybe I could talk to you about my faith. And like waiting tables suddenly got interesting, waiting tables suddenly had eternal significance to it. Like if this whole thing's real, guys, and I think you're here because you know and you're knower, like, man, like God is real and Jesus is back from the dead, and this, like, this, this ain't a game. This job description he has charged us with, and if that's true, isn't there eternal significance to like every mundane thing we find ourselves doing? Like if we start to see like the world through those kinds of lenses, because I know, man, it's it's scary to share your faith, right? And I think we're, like, afraid of, like, like like because Christians have historically not, not, like, had the reputation for being the most fun-loving group on planet Earth. Like, we should be. Like, nobody has reason to be more excited than we do. You know what I mean? And, and I think we will change that reputation. But until then, it's like, okay, I, I, I get nervous about, like, the response. And I'm like, and, Dan, you guys can come up. I'm like, let's just have some fun with, like, what are we so afraid of with inviting? I'm like, hey, like, think about, like, some scenarios. Hey, bro, you wanna come to church? Oh, dude, I'll get struck by lightning if I walk in there, bro. I'll get judged if I come to your church. Oh, dude, actually, we're just imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. You know how many times I throw that line out? Like, put that in your toolbox, right? It is so disarming. It's not just a, a Shawnee J quote. Like, that's the language of our church, Right? Hey, bro, you want to come to church? Oh, I know that story all too well. God just wants my money. God? God wants your money? How much do you have that, like, God needs it, right? Are you sure? Hey, man, you want to come to church? Yeah. Yeah, as soon as you can explain predestination and why a good and loving God would let bad and evil things happen, Uh, okay, well, I can't, but if if you come with me, there's a pastor named Ronnie, and he can explain it all to both of us at the same time, right? Because 90% of the time, here's here's my experience. Hey, bro, you want to come to church? Uh, I don't know. Are there like cute single Christian girls? Thousands. Can you pick me up? Done. Right? That's my story, right? Like, show up for the girls. Eventually, you will leave with the gospel. That's good, Pastor. Thank you. It is good. Let me just, let me just lift the burden off of you guys because the outcome is not on you. My friend Connor says this. He says, like, we are not agents of salvation. Salvation is in God's hands. The world already has a Savior. It's not any of us. We are not agents of salvation, but we are agents of invitation to to invite our people to come and, and taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Agents of introduction to introduce our people to our Savior, right? And I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of experience where like you 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 sat across a cup of coffee from somebody and you watched in their eyes physically as like the reality of Jesus clicked for the very first time. Like I don't know if you've gotten to do that yet. I believe that's in your future, but oh my gosh, we get to experience a lot of amazing things in this life. There is nothing quite like that. Like you'll you'll get addicted to that quickly, right, to say, hey, come taste and see that God is good. I don't have all the answers, right? Like, you don't, like, first of all, you're better at explaining this stuff than I think you give yourself credit for. Why? Because you have your story. Just like, I'm thinking, I think it was John 9, I'm not sure, the blind guy. Jesus healed him, and now he can see for the first time in his life, and then he starts getting questioned by the religious leaders. How did this happen? Like, explain this, this, and this. And he goes, "I, I don't have any answers to your questions. All I know is, an hour ago, I was blind, and now I'm not. And that Jesus guy is the reason why. I don't know all the answers to your questions, but my life used to be this and now it's this and that Jesus guy has everything to do with it. And so why don't you just come and experience what he thinks about you, right? Because here's, here's what I think. I think, I don't, I don't think people avoid church uh, really because they like don't believe in God. I don't mean to offend anybody. I, I feel like everybody deep down knows somewhere that like God's real. Here's what, here's what I think. I think people avoid it because they don't like him. Why don't they like him? Because I don't think he likes me. I know he loves me because God is love. Yada, yada, yada. He's obligated to love me, but there's no way he could like me if he is that in tune with my past, present, and future, right? And the, the, the night that I found out how wrong I was about what I thought God thought about me, oh my gosh, what that felt like. God likes you. Why don't you just come to church and experience, experience what he thinks about you. Experience what he thinks about you. Maybe your place of work is dark, that's why God put a light there. Do you preserve the things of God in your sphere? Like, do you take that personally, like in this city and country or not, right? I've been convicted by these questions all week, by the way, in a great way. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not my opinion, that's reality. Do you shine like a light or do you not? Do the people you work with know you're a Christian? It took six months for me at the med. Do you stand out or do you fit in with the world in every way possible? Like I, I've, I'll have i finish right here. I, I'm done in two minutes. I've had a, a love-hate relationship with this kind of. Sermon, like the Great Commission. Let's invite people church. Like, I, uh, and here's why because I'm quick to feel shame and I am quick to feel condemnation. And uh, when I'm not doing that well, I'm like, God's mad at me. Um, or I'm afraid, like, my friends might go to hell. I'm like, obligated to do this. Like, and, and like, and I have even like sound bites that still haunt me like that I've heard in the past, like, church, like, if you die tomorrow, heaven and hell's real. Do you know where you're going? Like, eternity, is smoking or non, right? Like, <laughs> and like, that's just, it's just reality. That's real. Paul was so urgent in all of his letters in the New Testament. Um, and there is such thing as good fear that motivates you to action. Like the good fear, like the fear that you feel standing on the edge of a cliff, is healthy, right? Um, but and here's here's the revelation that I can't convince you of. Um, only heaven can give you, and it's this: not only will you love and enjoy God more right now, and by the way, He's most glorified when you most enjoy Him. Not only will you enjoy him more and enjoy people more the way Jesus did, you will be way more effective at this stuff, at the Great Commission. If your motivation, your primary motivation is love and not fear, right? Love and not fear. And so for you, who is it this week? Who is it? Like we got that text invite thing. I'm like, oh man, like even for me, that's like a softball lob, right? I'll send that to like 30 people and you know what's gonna happen? You know what's going to happen? You'll do that and you'll start getting responses and the kingdom fire that is alive inside of you, it just might be kind of dull right now, will start to kind of fan into a flame as you step into the reason that you're still on this planet and still have like a breath in your lungs. As you, as you do your purpose, oh my gosh, how you will begin to come alive. I promise you. Matthew 28, the last thing Jesus said, the great commission, go to the ends of the earth, go into the world and open your mouths and listen this out and share your faith and invite people to the party and as you do that in that context i will be with you and you will experience me like you've never experienced me before right like we stand in worship all the time like wanting to experience god like like that was the holy spirit and it is guys and amazing things happen when we lift his name up and glorify him especially corporately when two or more are gathered are you kidding me but here's the thing if you compliment that and supplement that with the Great Commission this week and walking out of these four walls and going, man, I'm not just gonna I'm not just gonna talk the talk. I'm gonna like do this thing this week. Like I can't believe I'm about to share the most important thing in my life with the most important people in my life. I can't believe I just invited that person. That person's a complete stranger and I just said, come with me to church. Like like, what's happening to me? But I feel so alive at the exact same time. I promise you, if you feel a lull in your faith, if you feel like God is distant, have you tried the Great Commission? Because it might be the prescription for exactly that. Amen? Will you guys stand up? Far more than an obligation, this is the greatest privilege that there is. God wants his house full, you've RSVP'd yes, and you don't just have a plus one, you have a plus infinity. And so this week, church, let's go into our spheres of influence, bold and confident and passionate, and talk about this thing, this God, this person named Jesus that we love so much, and say, come taste and see, come experience what God thinks about you, this Easter at Red Rocks Church. Amen. God, we love you. The glory is yours. I pray, God, that you would solidify this in our spirits right now, that this would not just be information that made us smarter today, but that this would be revelation straight from heaven that would transform us from the inside out, to change our motivation from obligation to love, to love. Jesus, I'm so excited to be with you in heaven one day, and I'm not gonna be there because I'm afraid of hell. I'm gonna be there, Jesus, just because you're so amazing and you cannot be exaggerated, and you are indescribable, and you are so worthy of our praise, and so God, we sing to you, we lift your name up, and we celebrate as a family the reality that all of us already have seats at the table, and everybody said amen. Red Rocks Church, let's worship.